0: You're listening to Supply Chain Radio. My name is Matt Gunn. Joining me today is Guy Cortan. Hi Guy, how are you? Matt, how are you? Doing well.
1: Fantastic. So we're here in the Greater Orlando area, the Biodome. The Biodome, it is, I've always wondered like, would this Biodome survive an apocalypse, like a zombie apocalypse? Like could we sustain life here for a while? At least a couple days. At least. So
0: we're sitting at the tail end of the RELA Retail Supply Chain Conference. Unlike a lot of the big conferences in retail, this one focuses directly on supply chain. And it's an area that, for us in particular, is very fascinating. And while it's often undersung... Underappreciated. Underappreciated, perhaps, is a big and sexy and exciting and innovative place in retail, especially. It's still really important to everything that retailers do. And there's some pretty great stuff that's happening in the world, especially as we've seen in the last couple of days. A lot of this revolves around the customer.
1: Absolutely. I think what's fascinating is, and we've said this a lot, and I, but I think it's worth continuing to mention and bring up, is the fact that the retail supply chains today and the retail retailers and the brands today are no longer the driver's seat. And this sounds like a broken record, but it's, it's worth repeating. Like, if you look at the evolution of retail from the dawn of time till today, for the most part, the retailer had the power. A lot of times, you know, if I wanted a product and I lived in certain areas, I could only get a certain product that was accessible physically to me in that area. I mean, I know all kinds of stories of people you'd go to, to Europe and buy something because you could only find it in London. You couldn't find it in Washington DC. Or, you know, someone from Europe would come to the United States and buy something because you could only find it in a certain part of the United States. And in a way that made it kind of interesting because a thrill of the chase. It was a thrill of the chase. But the problem is that we also now have the expectation as consumers that I can access anything in the world at any moment. And oh, by the way, I can also probably have it delivered to me pretty darn quickly and almost for free. So retailers today, I think, are absolutely under more stress or strain than they ever have because of we as consumers. And I know we talk or there's a lot of talk about Omnichannel. And this is my little sort of soapbox where I think army channel was a stage we've passed that stage most retailers today that we see here at Rela or we talk to they already get there's an online right it's almost passé right at this it's passé they get that there's a challenge between keeping inventory for the online and the brick and mortar as one inventory so they can be more efficient.
0: Absolutely, the experience extends beyond the store. If supply chain is a means to an end, the end isn't the store, the it's end is not the, the physical store. location, no. it's the customer, it's the it's person th- that exactly. touches the Exactly, so the, the
1: store and... is just one conduit to touch the customer. So for example, I know you know you know I talked about this, but you look at you know some of the retailers that are pure e-commerce guys and they say like, Not, I mean, Warby Parker at a level, now they're putting brick and mortar out there, but even like Warby Parker said, you know, hey, that box that your product comes in, that's our store, right? Neiman Marcus, when we ship you a box, that's our storefront. So they are starting to recognize, to your point, that the store, as we know it today, is transforming. So the store comes in many places. With that said, I don't think it diminishes or it changes the way the store will be leveraged, operated, used manipulate, however you want to put it, but the store is still going to play a role. And it was interesting because, you know, Hudson Bay was talking about the store and they kind of showed some statistics that said by, I think, 2040, store and online will be a parody. And, you know, it wasn't their numbers and, and I would debate that because I'd say, I don't know about that because the store as today constituted, yes, it will change drastically, but we don't know what that store will look like in 30 years. So the definition we're using for it today might be wrong in 30 years because I think this whole notion of always-on commerce, ambient commerce, right, sort of the next step of, of Omnichannel is where we are today where the notion of payments, the notion of where I get my products, the notion of how I return my products is going to completely change in the next few years and definitely in the next 30 years. I think we don't even know what, you know, when our kids are old enough, the way they look at retail is going to be entirely different than what we're talking about today.
0: Right. And our parents went to general stores. or
1: <laughs> our, I mean, our parents <laughs> you know. had access to five items, right? And that yeah. was it. And they were happy. Now, they also didn't spend like idiots like us and had to buy the new iPhone 7 the moment it came out, but... Right.
0: It wasn't as consumer-driven culture, but that's the whole point. We are in the age of consumers right now, and the consumer wields a lot of power, and retailers get that. They know that they're not operating in a void. They know that the brands they sell in their stores are often their direct competitors going direct to consumer. They also know that Amazon is there. They're aware that there's other markets, other ways to access goods, but the stores that are doing the most interesting things are the ones that are staying true to who they are, and realize that, Their customers are an asset. Their customers build a community. So the tractor supply companies of the world, the Cabela's, the Neiman Marcus, all of them total different businesses, all of them big box in their own way, but all of them sort of true to this theme that their customers are what makes them who they are and what dictates the experience. And so they don't want to mess that up when they go into Omnichannel, when they are making a mobile app or going online or building out community forums, things that their customers might not have expected five or ten years ago, but that are the rigor now because of what we have available.
1: Because of what we have available. And I think one of the interesting themes here at Rila 2 is to your point, sort of taking the next natural evolution of, yes, it's all about the customer, but what does that mean? What does the customer want? Does the customer just want to buy the latest G.I. Joe, the Kung Fu Grip? No. The customer probably wants the experience that goes around it. Right? So we had talked about companies like brands like Cabela, Neiman Marcus, Home Depot, right? A lot of these brands who, at the surface, you would say their businesses are going to get eaten up by guys like Amazon and Alibaba. But the difference is, if I want to buy a ball-peen hammer, I can buy it on Amazon, but I don't know what I'm doing with it. If I go to Home Depot, all of a sudden now, there's an experience there's a community, right? There's access to information that I otherwise don't have purely through a digital medium. Now, some would argue, well, just go to YouTube and you'll figure it out, or Amazon will have videos. And yes, absolutely. But I still believe as human beings, right, there is still an aspect of human interaction, understand the community, being able to empathize with other people, whatever it may be. And I think that's where we're seeing you know, these brands who are laser focused on what their customer is and what the customer experience wants to be I think have a great opportunity to be successful because they own that niche. As Amazon tries to creep into it, Amazon will never, in my opinion, be able to get that precise, right? They just can't. Cabela's be another example, right? We talked about this and we heard them say this where they recognize that anytime a customer is interacting with Cabela's, it should just be Cabela's. It doesn't matter if it's on their online app, but the mobile phone, if it's on your smartwatch, if it's in a store, if it's in a pop-up store, it's for the catalog, right? Any touch point, it should just be Cabela's. And what Cabela's I think is doing very interestingly is saying, hey, like we know that bass fishing season's coming. So what can I do for my community of bass fishermen to ensure that they have a fantastic experience or are prepared for the season? You know the latest and greatest gear, that's part of it obviously, but also potentially you know, hey, where's the bass this year? Should we go this part or this part of the country? It's the experience, right? It's more than just buying a rod and a reel and some flies. It's about buying a whole host of experiences with the inventory also tied into it, right? Because what we don't want to see or we've seen and we want to avoid for retailers to say, hey, I just gave someone a great experience. You know, for example, you know, we talked to a colleague who was talking about buying cowboy boots and goes to a, a big cowboy boot store in Texas They spend an hour, hour and a half with him, trying on different boots, different colors, sizes, and all this. He's ready to buy. He's ready to make that purchase. And they're on the inventory. And they say, well, come back in two weeks and get it.
0: Right. Can't fulfill the order. Can't fulfill
1: the order. So you provide this fantastic customer experience. You did exactly what you're supposed to do with that physical store. And he even said...
0: He knew he could buy it 20% cheaper online, but he wanted to reward the store for that extra touch point, that extra attention that they gave to him to make sure that they found the right boot, that it fit because cowboy boot sizing isn't the same as a dress shoe or as Nike. For that effort, he would have absolutely rewarded them.
1: And they lost that opportunity. So I think it speaks to the importance again of the supply chain and sort of, you know, I sort of use the analogy, right? It's all the stuff under the waterline, right? Think of an iceberg. All the stuff on top of the waterline is the cool front-end stuff that that people find sexy and appealing, which you need. But all that stuff underneath, which is what keeps that iceberg up, if that is not there, it will tip over. And I think that's the part that I think we're seeing a lot of here at Rila is a continual emphasis on the importance of that. And I think it's something that I think is slowly becoming more evident where savvy retailers are realizing, hey, my supply chain is A – not only the cost center, so it's not just about squeezing out more cost. B, it's pretty darn strategic, so I need to think about it in a different way. And C, it's like, hey, if I start focusing more on my supply chain being world class, the things I can start doing differently with my business are going to open up and are going to be things I've never even thought of before that I can all of a sudden start doing. And I think that's the opportunity for savvy retailers today if they take that chance. Right.
0: (laughs) One of the values of the events like this is that you learn from outside of your own daily experience, not only from your peers in the same type of store competition, but from entirely different industries too. But one thing that resonates when you do see this is that when someone does have an experience that is memorable, that makes them feel special, that makes their life more convenient than it might have otherwise been, right? So like that story I heard today was this logistics executive, his car broke. It was a pump for his power steering. Went to the auto shop. They said what it was, he thought, great. Now I'm gonna have to go home, wait for a few days for that part. Uh, It shows up when it shows up. Then I'm gonna have to take more time off. Go back to the shop, they're gonna fix it. It's gonna take hours and hours. I'm gonna be inconvenienced massively. Because that's, you know, we've come accustomed to that. Now the shop took it to the next level. They said, you know, he's like, okay, what do I do? Do I leave? When do I come back? When will you have the part available? They're like, oh, no, don't worry. We've already contacted our warehouse. They've got the part on the way. It'll be here in 20 minutes. You just sit down, have a cup of coffee. We'll get you out of here in an hour. That's a great experience. That's something that stores are starting to look to extend because they are often having to go outside of their own walls, right? That cowboy boot store. If they had a distribution center somewhere regionally or a sister store down the street right. and they had that visibility across to see, They could have said, that hey, part. we'll
1: fulfill the order. Hang out. Ride the mechanical bull.
0: We got you covered. Our colleague would have had his boots. Would have had a great experience. Memorable experience. Absolutely. They would have walked out happy. And that's what it is. You have to please and bring joy to that experience
1: for the customer. Because in the end of the day, I think part of retail, for the most part, I mean, other than you know, buying food for sustenance is all about simple pleasures, right? The pleasure of discovery and of you know, finding something and, you know, the joke of retail therapy. There's some reality to that. There is. And I think part of that more and more is gonna be around the experience therapy. Right? If you look at some of the statistics in terms of retail spend, I think in the past year or so there's been more spend on services Or experiences in the retail, so restaurants, movies, entertainment, things like that, that has taken over more than just the inventory side. I think the savvy retailers are the ones are going to say, okay, how do we merge the two, right? How do we make sure that we provide amazing experiences? And oh, by the way, make sure the product you actually want is there when you want it, how you want it or I can fulfill it in a way that makes you happy.
0: It all has to be very personal. Personalization is a big key to all of this.
1: It has to be personalized. And I think that's something we're seeing with millennials, which is they expect personalization. They want something new. They want something cool. They want something fresh. Now, the challenge for a lot of the retailers is how do you keep pace with that? So, yes, we know the H&Ms of the world or the Zaras of the world, like they have their own model around that. So that's one thing that they're doing. But what about the other players out there who are trying to change their business models or supply chains to keep up with that? I think that's the part that's very interesting. I think it's a challenge for a lot of these guys. But I think the ability to have better control of your supply chain, better view of your network, better information is the first step. Because once you get that, you can start experimenting with this stuff and doing other things.
0: Absolutely. And whether you have a thousand stores or none, it all comes back to that. The experience has to be special to that. It all comes time. back
1: to the experience being special. It all comes back to the customer being outrageously satisfied. Whether it's they found that one unique item they've always been looking for. Whether it's you knew their name and they walked through the front door. Whether it's you knew they didn't want a paper receipt and they just wanted to be emailed to them. Whether it's you, know, you followed up with them two days later to see how the product was. Whether it's you trained them on how to use the item. You know, Whatever that experience is for that customer is also the individualization of the experience. Whatever that is, if you get that right, you get a customer.
0: Right. And if you get it wrong, they'll go somewhere
1: else. They'll go to Amazon or they'll go to Alibaba.
0: No difference to them. Loyalty is a fickle thing. Loyalty is a fickle world.
1: thing, as we all know.
0: All right. This has been an episode of Supply Chain Radio. Thank you, Gee Matt, it's been a pleasure as always. Thanks for listening. You can find us on iTunes or your favorite podcast network.